listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showjob. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shudrai, and today's guest shines a light on an emerging field in assistance dogs. Now, that brings me to my rant of the week. We have long become accustomed to seeing the guide dog assisting his blind human partner. And in recent years, assistance dogs have been partnered with hearing-impaired, wheelchair-bound, or other mobility-challenged people. A young girl of my acquaintance takes her diabetes alert dog with her to school. They even march together in band during football games. Studies have shown that pets lower our stress levels and people remain healthier and live longer, more fulfilled lives when they share it with a pet. Today we're learning that if our animal companions can do this for otherwise healthy folks as well as those with physical challenges, they also offer extraordinary benefits for emotional injuries. Now here comes my rant. I'm still waiting for the day when, instead of a pill, the doctor says, get a pet and call me in the morning. And isn't it time that insurance companies reduced premiums for those folks that have a pet companion just as you get a rate reduction for being a non-smoker? Well, my guest today can speak to the emerging field of psychiatric service dogs. Jane Miller, a licensed independent social worker, is in practice as a psychotherapist and clinical social worker with her animal-assisted therapy dogs. She offers education about and client assessments for psychiatric service dogs, Those are PSDs, and her new book on the subject is titled Healing Companions, Ordinary Dogs and Their Extraordinary Power to Transform Lives. This was just released. So call all your companion pets because they'll want to hear this. And we'll be right back with Jane Miller after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. 
Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com This valuable information comes from your pet. There's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness. Pets add life. To learn more, visit petsadlife.org. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win With Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome my guest. Now, Jane Miller's lifelong passion for healing has emphasized the human-animal connection, culminating in certifications as canine massotherapist and a consultant for therapy and service animals by the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. She's also written an incredibly interesting and uplifting book I want to talk about called Healing Companions. So welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you so much, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jane, and I know it took us a little bit to find the right time, so I'm so glad we worked that out. I'd like to first of all ask a little about yourself. What critters do you have? I understand you've got two dogs, but do you have other animals as well? Tell us about them. Yes, I do. I have two golden retrievers. They're sisters. Simka is six and a hobbit is two. And I also have a cat named Toby who is a chartreux and uh, well, it got rehomed um, because the family that he was living with had a baby and he was not a cat that uh, dealt well with the entrance of the child. So he now lives with us, Toby, chartreux cat, wonderful cats. They are, uh, like you might know, very similar to dogs. Uh, my cat is probably better trained than my dogs. My cat <laughs> comes comes when he's called and he retrieves and he's an incredible cat. I also have birds um, and I have finches and I have diamond doves um, and I also have fish. So I have a whole house full. Wow. Wow. That's, that's quite a peaceable kingdom. Yes, it is. So how did you get started in dog training and using dogs in your practice? Give us a little background. How did this all come about? 
Well, kind of, very serendipitously. It did not happen as a plan. My first golden retriever, Umaya, kind of led the way. She, at age four, I was giving her a massage, and I found a very small lump on her left hip area. And it was a very rare cancer that is called a fibrosarcoma, and she needed radiation treatment. She needed to receive approximately 16 days of radiation treatment, and the treatment had to be done every day, first thing in the morning, and it was needed to be done uh, very close to where my office was. So they suggested that I not take her back home because they didn't really want her to be alone after she had had her radiation. So I would started taking her to the office. And when she received her radiation, they shaved her back. So here was this bald dog in the back with the back, her back being bald, who would come romping into the office with her tail wagging, <laughs> looking so happy and joyous. And people, she would make what I called the rounds in the waiting room and bring everybody in the waiting room her toys. And <laughs> she would bring such a glow to everyone that was waiting for psychotherapy that it was very, very inspiring for people. And she would attend my therapy sessions. And what happened over time was pretty miraculous. If you walked in my office and you were feeling anxious, Omaya would go to the rug and start licking the rug voraciously and look and, and pacing. So she would mirror your feelings. Wow. So when you were anxious, she would demonstrate anxiety. If you were angry, she would demonstrate anger by chewing on her bones. So over time, clients who were totally unaware of how they felt when they walked in and thought they were doing an excellent job of hiding it, couldn't hide it because they would look at Umaya and say, oh, shoot, I didn't think I was anxious. <laughs> and they knew that they, that they were feeling very anxious. But really, what was very powerful was to see clients sitting there petting Umaya, telling me about such incredibly painful, historic events that happened to them, traumatic. They would be sitting there sharing with me experiences and incest uh, horror stories that they didn't even realize they were sharing because here they were petting this dog who was licking them and comforting them. And so over time, Omaya really became the catalyst to people opening up and helping them feel safer to share very deep uh, devastating experiences that occurred to the, for them. So over time, what happened was she kept attending therapy even after her radiation treatment because there was no way people would accept her not coming after all that. I kept bringing her to work, and one day, one of my clients who ended up uh, having a breakdown ended up in the hospital. And this was in the early 1990s, 19, mid-1990s. In 1990, I would like to go back and say the American Disability Act was ex expanded to include those with mental illnesses. So that then opened the doorway to people that have mental illnesses being able to be qualified under the American Disabilities Act as disabled and they could then, like you mentioned earlier, have a dog, a service dog that, like people that are blind, have that people that have seizure alert dogs and many of the other types of dogs. What exactly is a service dog? I think a lot of people are confused about that. I know you have the animal assisted therapy dogs, and that's what Umaya was. Right. But she what was is the difference a, yes. between that and a service dog? She was not a service dog. A service dog is specifically trained 
for that individual and not only specifically trained for that individual but specifically trained for that individual's disability and that dog is trained to mitigate the person's disability by tasks that they are trained to do. So they are trained tasks that mitigate the effects of the disability. So like a wheelchair, a wheelchair does not stop someone from being able to, uh, a wheelchair doesn't make it so that you can walk. A wheelchair makes it so that you're mobile. So if you have post-traumatic stress disorder, the dog doesn't take away the post-traumatic stress disorder. The dog mitigates the effects of the post-traumatic stress. So the dog will be trained to, for example, if you have what's called hypervigilance and you get very nervous about people standing behind you or block or getting too close to you, we, we have a uh, cue that we teach the dog, which is watch my back. And so the dog will stand behind you, blocking people from getting too close to you so that you don't feel um, overwhelmed by people being too close and too uh, surrounding you so that you can then be able to function when you are in a line, if you're in a grocery store or if you're in a line, you know, anywhere where there are crowds of people. So the dogs are specifically trained based on your disability and what makes it difficult for you to be able to function out in public. So um, a psychiatric so. service dog is going to be something very different than what many people traditionally would have thought of as a service dog. Exactly. And one of the reasons why it's a little more complicated because every psychiatric service dog is going to be taught different things because every person needs different things based on their disability and how it impacts them. Some people have eating disorders. Some people are bipolar. Some people have uh, depression. Uh, so every person has a different need. And even within that context, people with PTSD, some people experience nightmares. Some people don't. Some people experience severe panic attacks. Some people experience more frequently the hypervigilance. So the dog is going to be taught to do things based on what that individual's needs are. So some people are very scared of coming into their empty house. The dog will be trained to do a room scans and go through the house and frequently turn on the lights in each room so that when the individual walks in, it's not pitch dark and not frightening for them. Ah, so, okay. What are some other things that these dogs might, for instance, be trained to do? Well, as, for example, if you're having a nightmare, many of the Iraq and Afghanistanian veterans are coming back and they're having severe nightmares. One of the people in my book, what he, his dog specifically does when he has a nightmare is it wakes him up. It has been trained to wake him up and then licks his face. And by licking his face, it helps him then wake up and realize that he's not in Iraq with bombs going off. The first thing that the, that he does is he looks at his dog, and when he sees that his dog is not responding to a war zone, he realizes that, wow, this is really not happening right in my bedroom. And the dog, by licking him, gets him out of that way of place, that thinking that he was, you know, being bombarded by bombs. And he, the dog will nudge him. Another dog has been trained to pull uh, lead the person out of bed and take them into their living room and hand them the remote control and will nudge them until they turn the remote control on so that they start watching TV. And once ah. they start watching TV and calming down and realizing that that was just a nightmare, then the dog will lead them back into the bedroom. 
Wow. So, well, what would a dog, for instance, be trained to do if someone had an eating disorder that was debilitating? Okay. Depending on how it plays out, but many people with eating disorders are eating when they're emotional. And the dogs are trained to pick up on the emotions that that person is having. So if they're feeling angry or upset or um, anxious, the type of eating that a person does when they're angry or anxious, they're usually not sitting down at the table and relaxed. They're usually pacing. The dog can, can be trained to recognize the difference between eating appropriately when you're eating at a table versus when you're eating pacing around the kitchen. And the dog will nudge that person and pull that person out of that room, away from the food. I've had dogs tugging at someone's pants le- pant legs until they have to leave the kitchen, pulling them to go outside to get them away from the food. If they're sitting at the table and eating way too many potato chips, the dog will pull them away from that. Other times, dogs will pull them away from the refrigerator. They will block them from opening the refrigerator door. So depending on that person and specifically how their eating disorder plays out, the dog will be trained to prevent them from overeating or eating out of emotional distress. Who qualifies for a service dog? Do you have to, can you just decide, hey, I think a dog would be good for me or do you have to have like a doctor's prescription and a, something a doctor has to say, well, you've been diagnosed with this and therefore I believe this would help you? Based on the law, you have to be qualified under the American Disabilities Act as disabled, which means that you're severely limited in your ability to function in daily life, and that includes a lot of things like breathing, communicating. There's a whole list, and in my book I go through that list of, of what those are that are disabling for people. The, the thing that gets complicated here is that you have to be severely disabled enough that you can't function, but you have to be well enough to be able to function to be able to take care of a dog. So in order to qualify for a service dog, you must be disabled. This is not for someone that has mild depression or has mild mental health issues, but this is for people that really would not be able to get out of the house and function and be able to go to work and be able to go to the store and be able to take care of themselves. And these dogs make it possible for them to be able to function out in the world. So unlike medication, which can help, no medication in the world that I know of can get someone to get out of bed. A dog can get you to get out of bed. When a dog needs to go outside and go to the bathroom, they're going to make sure you take them outside and go to the ba- you know, get, go to the bathroom. One of the aspects that's so stunning about dogs is that they live by routine. Many people that are severely disabled have difficulty maintaining routine. They have difficulty brushing their teeth, feeding themselves, taking care of themselves. And what they find is by having to take care of the dog, they end up taking care of themselves. So if they have to brush their dog's teeth, they're going to brush their own teeth. If they have to walk their dog, they're going to get exercise. They're going to get outside, which is also healthier for them. If they feed their dog right, I have clients who, if I say to them, would you ever feed your dog that, what you ate for lunch? Never. But so that helps them realize they have to eat better because they have, a, they have to take care of another living being. And that's okay. very helpful for them. All of this experience, I'm guessing this is what prompted you to write this wonderful book, Healing Companions, Ordinary Dogs and Their Extraordinary Power to Transform Lives. Tell, how did this book come about? Well, uh, seven years ago, 
I presented with Ellen Schoen, who wrote Kindred Spirits at an international conference to the medical professions uh, about the healing power of animals. And when we concluded the presentation, everyone in the audience said to me, you have to make a documentary and you have to write a book because people need to know about this. This is extraordinary. This is, this is very important that people learn about another option to what can help people with mental health issues. And so at that point, I started on my journey to write this book, and it's been a long haul. And seven years later, it is now published. And I am very, very lucky to have found an agent and a publisher that has really been incredibly supportive and helpful in getting this book out. And the feedback so far has been incredibly positive. The Veterans Administration, I've already presented at last week, and they were thrilled because so many of the veterans are coming back with PTSD. And what these dogs have been able to do to help give people back their lives has been just incredible. Here are people that would never have been able to work. Many of my clients weren't functioning the way they're functioning today because of their dogs. That's my dog in the background, sorry. Uh, because of their dogs, I guess she wants to be on the radio too. Because their dogs have helped them be able to get out into the world and get back into working and having a fuller life and give back to society. All right. Well, we are going to take a brief break, after which we will continue our conversation with Jane Miller. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. 
Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Thanks for joining us again. Our guest today, Jane Miller, focuses on educating others about the legal, ethical, and practical criteria from benefiting from a psychiatric service dog. Now, she's lectured about these PSDs in a variety of settings, ranging from national museums to local organizations, schools, and even dog training facilities. She's appeared in a PBS program on the healing power of animals, and uh, along with world-renowned veterinarian and author Dr. Alan Schoen, she presented a workshop on the topic of animals as healers at a national conference for medical professionals. Now, Jane, before we went to break, you were telling us about your journey to write this wonderful book, Healing Companions. Uh, wanted also to touch with you on the fact that you are a consultant with IAABC. Uh, this is um, an association, Animal Association Behavior Consultants, and you specifically deal with services for therapy and service dog. Explain what that means. I mean, do the dogs, these service dogs, do they have behavior problems that need to be helped? No, I wouldn't say that we, we don't want to be training rehab projects, but I will say that for my clientele, it's been very in a, a very interesting route that I've taken, that they've chosen to take as well as I've taken. Most of the programs that train service dogs use breeders and, you know, want to make sure, of course, we all want to make sure that our dogs are healthy and that they have appropriate temperament. My clients really prefer adopting shelter dogs or rescuing shelter dogs because they feel that they are survivors of trauma and they feel that these dogs that have also been traumatized and need homes, that they're, it's a win-win situation. They're saving a dog as well as the dog saving them. And so what I really deal with is how to assess dogs to, to know that no, this is not a rehab project and, and which Dogs can make and become incredible service dogs while they do have some issues when, when we start working with them, but there are issues that have potential to be improved upon. One of the dogs that's in the book, Fanola, was a, is a Katrina rescue, and very few trainers probably would have said, you know, she's going to make a wonderful psychiatric service dog, but because I intertwine relaxation, stress reduction techniques with humans as well as their animals, this Fanola has become an extraordinary service dog. She's still in training, but I knew that she had the potential and the ability, and as she gets older she and matures more, she will be able to work 
on the tasks that she's being trained to do for Tracy, the client. And so I think because of my skills as a psychotherapist, understanding human behavior issues as well as understanding animal behavior issues, to see the human as well as the dog grow together and overcome their issues together because many of my clients are a part of the training process. So for them, when they work with a dog that has issues and see that that dog is overcoming its issues, they see that they're capable of that as well. And to learn how to communicate with a dog is an incredible skill when you have great difficulty communicating. So over time, the person gains self-esteem and self-confidence and learns techniques that are benefiting themselves as well as the dog, which are they learn Reiki, they learn canine massotherapy, they learn breathing techniques. If the dog has issues, they're not going to be issues that would prevent them from being able to be service dogs, but they learn how to work on these issues. And also, dogs that are working dogs need to have days off and or downtime, and the human has to know how to pace it, because it's really hard work. These dogs we're expecting a lot of, and we want to give them a balanced life. What is canine massotherapy? I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Like human massage therapy, I teach the clients how to do techniques that are massage with their dogs. Ah. So they learn, they learn how to massage their dogs. They learn how to do a technique called key touch. Um, there are many different techniques of acupressure, learning where uh, stress reduction points are on the dog, and each dog is different, and how to massage those areas so the dog can relax and so the human relaxes at the same time that they're doing this with their dog. Great. So you actually, you help choose the service dog and then train it for your specific clients. How can other people that maybe don't have access to you, how can they find and choose a good trainer that can help them? Well, there are a number of different organizations that have lists of trainers. IABC for one, the one you had mentioned earlier, you can go to their website and you can look up consultant locator, put in where you live, and you can look up the working dog group and try to find someone who works with working dogs, which would be service dogs and therapy dogs, and see if there's someone in your area that does what we call temperament testing. And what I'd like to underline is it's, it's not, not one size fits all. Every person has different needs based on what they need their dog to be, what they need their dog to do for them. Some people prefer a small dog. Some people want a large dog. Some people want, for example, back to Tracy, her, she wanted her first dog to be a Labrador retriever because that is what you see in public more often. And she didn't want to be confronted as frequently and she preferred people just assuming she was blind and they would leave her alone. Other people choose mutts. We have in the book a mystery mutt, the person calls it. And somebody else has English mastiffs. I mean, everybody has different desires and sizes and what they really are looking for regarding what they need to feel comfortable out in public. Is this something that would be an issue for somebody with a psychiatric service dog? I mean, oftentimes these dogs are great as far as being a a social bridge between people. Folks see you out walking your dog. They want to come up, interact with the dog, ask about the dog, all of that. Do the folks that have these partners, canine partners, how do they handle being asked about the dog? Do the dogs wear identification, I'm a service dog, don't touch me? And how do they, I mean, some people I'm sure would be quite 
concerned about being asked personal questions. Well, what hidden disability do you have? People can be rude. Yes, people can be very rude. And it's interesting because you have an invisible disability. And so people make all kinds of assumptions. And we do a lot of role-playing how to deal with confrontation out in public. And for quite a long time, I go out with them in public to you know, help them cope with the confrontations and the inappropriate touching of the dogs, even with vests, which you don't have to have legally, but you hope that the vest will deter people, even with the vest on that says do not touch, people try to touch. So one of the things that's interesting is that the confrontations can be very upsetting and disturbing, but at the same time, what I have found is many of my clients, the focus is on the dog, and most of my clients love talking about their dog. And for the first time in their lives, they are now talking, they're speaking in public in ways they never would have done in the past. So in many ways, it's helped them become much more assertive and gain self-confidence and self-worth and self-esteem. It is not easy, and I have all my clients carry the law so that in case there are problems, they have the paperwork that they can just hand to the business or the person who's inquiring so that they feel protected and that they feel that they can stand up for themselves appropriately. So yes, this can be definitely a problem, and they need to learn how to handle it and what feels most comfortable for them. Do they want to even deal with it or do they just want to leave? Do they want to tell them details? They don't have to, but some of my clients really like to tell people, this is my psychiatric service dog because they want to educate people about psychiatric service dogs and they want to help diminish the stigma against mental illness and let people know that just because I have a mental illness, I can function out in the world and I'm not scary. I'm, I'm just like I'm any like just like anybody else and you would never know it. And I can navigate my through my life because of my dog. Is there I'm sure there is a cost involved in uh, having you know choosing taking care of the dog, having the dog trained just does insurance cover this? Well, um, no. Dogs, yes, dogs are quite costly and even not service dogs, but service dogs are even more because you're going to need to pay for training. And if you get one through a program, frequently there's fundraising for that, but if you're working with a private trainer, that's going to cost money. We have some resources out there, and I have a whole list of them in the resource section of the book that provide provide support for uh, service dogs, one of which is IAADP. They provide funding for veterinary care for possibly heartworm, the flea treatments that can be covered. Also, there are pet insurances that can help. Some veterinarians will give a, a lower fee for service dogs. I have started a fund at my local veterinarian who saved Amaya's life for, it's called the Amaya Fund, and proceeds from the book, a portion of the book proceeds will be going to the Amaya Fund, and that money goes to providing care to other dogs that are service dogs that have handlers that don't have the financial resources to pay for the vet care. So there are options out there, and I would suggest going to my resource section and looking at the different resources and looking at which ones work best for for you, um, which will help you with the veterinary care and the veterinary bills. And then inquiring locally, are there other people in your area that have service dogs, and which vets do they go to, and are those vets able to give them sliding scale? Okay, Jane, would you please share with listeners a website where they can find your book, where they can find you? I would be delighted to share that. www.healing-companions, 
that's with an S, companions, with an S, dot com. Miller at oberlin.net. Let me spell that. J-M-I-L-L-E-R at O-B-E-R-L-I-N dot net. I have a phone number that's a toll-free number, 1-800-457-0345. That's 1-800-457-0345. And please feel free to contact me anytime. I look forward to hearing back from people. And if any therapists, any practitioners are interested and would like to know more, please contact me as well as any people that are dealing with mental health issues that think they might benefit from the healing power of an animal. Terrific. I'll make sure that all that information is on your guest page so folks can dial up the website at PetLifeRadio.com and go to Jane Miller's page and get that information. And we are out of time, but I would like to thank Jane Miller and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter. It's a monthly free newsletter available at Shojai.com. Woofs and wags until next time. Now enjoy your pets and cherish their affection. They give us so much and we benefit in extraordinary ways. And if you were a friend or an acquaintance might benefit from a psychiatric service dog, I hope you'll check out Jane Miller's educational book, Healing Companions. After all, you don't want your dogs to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.